On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hi listeners, Menas here and Cricket Unfiltered is on a short break at the moment while we get ready for season 2019-20. But while we're on a break, I'm releasing five of my favourite episodes from the last two years. And to start things off, I have a special feature interview with former test leg spinner Stuart McGill. This episode was released in January 2018 and has actually been archived in the Australian National Film and Sound Archive. I'm very proud of that achievement to have an episode from this podcast uh, archived for uh, history's sake. So enjoy this interview with Stuart McGill. Bowled him round his legs. Bowled him round his legs. Well, that's ten for the match for Stuart McGill. In this innings, five for 47. And he must be very happy with the way things are going. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp cricket podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Menzel, a.k.a. Menas. And you just heard the sound of our guest today taking his... 10th wicket in the 1998-99 Ashes series. He took 208 test wickets for Australia at an average of 29 at a better strike rate than Shane Warne. I'm talking, of course, of Stuart McGill. Welcome to the show, Stuart. How are you? G'day, Andrew. I'm excellent. It must be good memories uh, thinking back to that test in 1998-99. I was there. You took 12 for... I guess that was the time you kind of announced yourself at international cricket. Yeah, look, um, I don't know about memories because I'm starting to find it more and more difficult to remember that sort of thing. But <laughs> I, um, that was my first test match at the SCG, which is um, where I'd made my home after moving from Perth. So it was quite a big game for me just, I guess, for that reason alone, let alone the fact that it was a pretty important one for the series for Australia against England. So... Yeah, look, I, I, I loved playing here and, um, you know, obviously I played most of my cricket here in the end. Yeah, I um, actually met you not long after that test match when Cricket Australia or the SCG Trust, I'm not sure, gave you the use of a private box to celebrate you getting 12 wickets. And I came to a one-day game, I think it was, well, I know it was one day, and I was definitely with Tim Farris, the ah. in excess guitarist, I'm just dropping names here, and he, he said, look, let's go up to McGillis' box. Yeah. And you were celebrating the 12 wickets and... That really was a special performance. Did you feel like that's when you belonged in Australian test side? Look, it certainly helps. I, th- I, think, I think for any team at any level, you really, well, as a bowler, you really need to get some wickets under your belt to, to, to feel as though, you know, you're capable of making some headway because it's all about wickets. Um, I, you know, I've said to spin bowlers and fast bowlers alike over the years, if you're in the team and you're just managing to keep the run rate down, when your team loses, if you haven't got the wickets in the wicket column, they are going to look at you even even if you're very economical. They're going to look at you and eventually you will get replaced, which which is sometimes not fair because there's lots of bowlers who are asked to do a job 
um, of just bowling dots and getting through the overs. But my warning to all of them is that you will be the first one discarded if your team doesn't win matches. And, and quite often that's because the batsmen aren't making any runs. But I needed to get wickets every game for, for, you know, for my own sort of personal state of mind. And um, you know, taking 12 in that match meant that I could win matches for my team. And I, I mean, I, then I, I was the leading wicket taker in the series as well, which meant that I'd, for me, I'd been able to do it consistently too. And, and I think that was quite important, you know, in terms of moving to the next step, you know, and then and the next team because I would also get very, very nervous if I hadn't got a batsman out before. So, um, you know, it wouldn't have mattered if it was you or, or, or Don Bradman um, bowling to... And I'm yes, I am suggesting, Andrew, that you're not Don Bradman. Um, but, but, but what, what I... What I um, it was the first time I bowled to someone, it was difficult for me until I got you out once and then I'd just relax and I'd, you'd become just another faceless batsman. Yeah, and I think in that game you, you certainly outperformed Shane Warne and maybe outbowled him. Was that sort of something important to you or no. didn't? No, I, I can sort of pretty much just knock it on the head there, actually. Um, never really competed with any other bowlers, to be honest. Um, I think maybe that, that, that was a strength of mine. I was pretty good. I, I worked out that if, if I worried about other people, um, then my own performances would, would suffer. And so I'd go about my own business it certainly helped having bowlers like Shane Warne and Glenn McGrath at the other end. Um, don't mm. get me wrong, and Jason Gillespie for that matter, and later on um, Brett Lee. But you know, because if you have them up the other end, then your job's a lot easier. But I never, never really cared about whether I got more wickets than other people, provided I contributed to the twenty wickets that my team needed to win the game. Yeah, you know, just sitting here looking at you, I can see you've got really big forearms. <laughs> Uh, you know, they must have really helped get that prodigious turn on the ball. You know, you used to give the ball such a rip, forearms, fingers. Yeah. Look, Any I mean, arthritis now? Yeah. Oh, look, I've got huge problems with my fingers. You know, I have trouble sort of the top top knuckle up in, in both hands, actually. I, I sort of have not much feeling at all. But, you know, it's a shame, actually. I mean, I, that's in, in, in the end, that's what stopped me from playing, which was really quite disappointing for me because I'd kind of wanted to keep playing for a couple of years. And, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I'd never played a test match in England, never played a test match in South Africa, never t- played a test match in India, never played a test match in New Zealand. And if I'd played for two more years, I'd have done all of those things. So I was really, really keen to, to, to take that you know, next step because you know, they were uncharted territories for me. But the, the, in terms of physical sort of, I guess, ability or physical genetics, um, kind of lucky my, my dad and my grandfather were sort of both pretty well put together and, and they um, both played first class cricket is yep. that right grandpa and, and my dad um so charlie was my grandpa and, and terry was my dad they both played for western australia and um they're both pretty big blokes i guess and um also the other thing is we got in the gym pretty early from you know an early age so you know doing weight training from you know i think 13 was when my dad let me start getting in the gym and 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 one stage when I was at the Creed Academy, I'd sort of do, be doing weights six days a week. So I think it probably does make a, big, a bit of a difference. Mm. And I think it also makes a difference in terms of how much your workload, much of a workload you can cope with. I, I, I think if you bowl half the overs, you, you're a fair chance of getting half the wickets. And you can only do that if, if you've got the, the stamina and the strength to be able to get by. And um, so I'm sure the years of weight training helped. Yeah, now you, you mentioned your grandfather... I heard you tell a story about when you met Don Bradman in the lead-up to the first test. 
I mean, meeting Bradman must have been a special occasion, but then he said something to you that probably was it made it even more special. Yeah, look, um, I like food, um, as you can see. <laughs> but what we'd normally do is when we, when I, you know, my family and I, when, whenever we went to any place, really, have a look to see what the best restaurants around were. And we'd try and go to at least one of them during the during the match. And um, it was in Adelaide, and we went to a restaurant called Jama's in in Kensington. I'm not sure if it's still there now, but it was at the end of day one of the first of, of my first test. It was the third test against South Africa in Adelaide in '98. Uh, and and were um, you replacing Warney? Was he injured? No, I was playing with Warney. I was actually replacing Paul Rifle. I think he had a broken finger. Um, yeah. So I was replacing Paul Rifle and. At the end of that day, we went to the restaurant and Dad said, oh, you know, look, that's Bradman over there sitting in there. And I just sort of thought, well, first of all, I was pretty tired, <laughs> to be honest, um, at the end of day one. But secondly, um, I, I just sort of thought, oh, I don't want to bug him at, at, at dinner um, because I'm too cool to do that. Um, well, it's a hard thing to do anyway. Well, maybe, yeah. And I, and I, I remember growing up and, and Dennis Lilly's a friend of the family and, and um, you know, people always used to bother him while he was having dinner and it must have just driven him out. Well, it drove me nuts and I was just a kid. But um, as Bradman was walking out of the restaurant, I thought, oh, you know, I'll, I'll chase him. And um, my grandfather had played against um, Bradman in the, I think, maybe the 50s and, you know, got him out, um, certainly after the Second World War anyway, but um, got him out and made 70-odd in the, in the first innings. So he opened the batting and bowling for WA, which was pretty cool. I think he was a chucker, though, which is even cooler. Um, <laughs> sort of. Yeah, it's, no, it's really cool. I like that, yeah. Like, everybody likes to have a convict in the family. Well, I haven't got yeah. that, but I've got a chucker. Um, <laughs> but... Um, I, I, you know, decided that I was going to chase Bradman out of the restaurant just because I thought, well, look, you know, it's your first test. If you meet Don Bradman as well, it's sort of another thing that's cool about it. Mm. So I chased him out and I said, I, you know, hi, um, my name's Stuart McGill. Um, I'm playing my first test. And he said, you know, I, I know who you are, son. Well bowled today. And then he said, my God, your grandfather could play. And I thought that was sort of even more important to me than him telling me that, that I'd bowled well because I think um, people who show respect to your family are obviously the respectful people, you know, and, and, and I think because too many people, especially nowadays, try and be smart when they're saying things like that and they, they uh, oh, I used to smash your dad or so, you know, like, yeah. you, know, out, you know, hit the ball around. I, 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 I think I just don't see the point of that. I mean, always go out of my way if you if you see a a, a, a former teammate with a, with his with his children. You know, you you bring up a special moment that that you might have had together with them, or you know, because people are proud of their family, and there's no reason to have a go at them for that. And I just thought it was really cool when Bradman said that. And then my dad came shortly after me, followed me, and and he straight away said, "G'day, Terry, how you going?" So I thought that was pretty good. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's a great I, story. I think it's a good story, but it it, it also just shows that he was certainly a man of protocol and uh, and and um, it was very polite and it, and it makes made that first test um, even more special. You're right. So third generation of first class cricketer. I'm guessing it must have been speaking of families, a really big thing for your family that you played for Australia and got the baggy green. The third generation along, you know, made it to the highest level. Yeah, look, everybody said that Grandpa probably would have played for Australia had it not been for the, the Second World War. Mm. Um, but they weren't playing much then in, in WA anyway. And I, I think, um, you know, my, I know my, my parents used to come to most of the test matches I played um, all around the world. And I think they kind of liked 
touring because cricket had been such a big part of their lives as well. Mm. Um, so touring had it was kind of a, a good way of you know meeting people of you know like-minded people and stuff like that. They got on pretty well with all the other parents that used to travel around. Me playing for Australia. Unfortunately, I'm, I don't think my grandpa was around. No, he wasn't around then. Um, but but I know that that would have you know it was pretty cool. He came to my first game for New South Wales. We flew over from from um, from Perth. Yeah, look, I think the fact that my family had been a big cricket family in WA, my my my, um, my grandpa's brother, so my great uncle was a chairman of selectors and a vice president of the WACA for twenty five years as well. And I, I, I my dad had coached first grade teams for over twenty years. It was quite a big deal for our family, and um, and I guess so. It's kind of cool that, and and maybe fitting that the effort put in by my family, not by me, but by my family, was sort of rewarded at some stage with with a baggy green. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe my son will get one too and outshine us all. <laughs> yeah. Well, does he play cricket? Yeah, he wasn't allowed to bowl spin. But he's, he made sure <laughs> made sure no spin bowling. But he's a left arm seamer. He bowls pretty well. Um, but he's only fifteen, so I, I, I you know, who knows? Uh, I think you'd, you'd be a lunatic to um, to to try and um, forecast the future in cricket because there's so many guys who are sixteen, seventeen, eighteen years old who are going to beat the world and then you know don't even play cricket when they're nineteen, twenty. So, but um, he seems to love it at the moment. Well, at least he yeah. likes it. He likes and it. You can talk that's about it. My son hates exactly cricket. Right. Yeah. So oh. frustrating. <laughs> Absolutely hates it. Okay, so you get the baggy grain, you play for Australia. How is playing for Australia different to how you thought it would be? Um, well, I, I, don't, I, don't think it, I don't think it was difficult. I don't think it was different, I mean. I think it was difficult and I expected it to be difficult and I think that that's probably what you expect from international sport you know if it was easy then it'd be a lot harder to get in <laughs> a lot a lot easier to get in in which case probably people would give the game up mm. i think the 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 achievement makes it worthwhile getting there makes it worthwhile and then the pride that you get from doing well in a particular match is amplified by the fact, you know, sheer virtue of the fact that, you know, not very many people can do it. So it was very difficult to play, but I, I certainly don't think it was anything unexpected. I probably didn't expect to get so tired, maybe. You get, you got mentally very, very tired, the, the, the weight of expectation, because you, you, you're not necessarily aware of that when you're out in the middle, because you're concentrating on what you're doing. You know, you're very, very focused on your job and performing you don't realize you're concentrating so hard and then consequently you don't realize how how absolutely spent you are um, yeah, it looks like steve smith at the moment the way well, he's looking now I, I mean i think that that's why sometimes you need to have people step in i, I mean i and i you know i think because I, I know steve pretty well and and um there's no way he would he would pull out of, of a series but I, I think it probably wouldn't have been a bad thing for him to have been rested for the the entire one day series and you know people who say well you can't do that because crowds are expecting to see steve smith bat well if you want to see steve smith bat we have to give him a rest every now and then because otherwise he won't because he'll just fall to pieces yeah i agree and i think maybe they were hoping they'd win a couple early the aussies and they could perhaps rest him but that would have been even been worse because if they had won a couple early then the pressure on him to complete the series would have been even greater mm. and you probably would have you know run the risk of doing even more damage I, I was very surprised to see him finish to be honest but anyway yeah so when you made the australian team was what was the environment like rumors surfaced that it wasn't always the greatest dressing room you know like any dressing room 
did you ever sort of feel that or was it a, a good, supportive, welcoming environment? Well, I don't, I don't remember it being, I don't remember anything being bad, to be honest. Uh, you know, when you were asking that question, I was, I was trying to sort of think ahead. I, I don't remember anything. I was, I, Mark Taylor was the captain and um, there was certainly no, there was nothing anxious while he was captain or Steve Waugh was captain for that matter. And I, 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 don't, I don't seem to remember that. I, I think um, some people on the outside expect you to be hanging out of each other's pockets mm. 24 hours a day. Well, that's just crap. I mean, I, I, don't, I just don't. Everybody who goes to work in a nine to five environment, they they, they it's nine to five. Yeah, it's not then five. Hang to, out with your friends. You know, that's exactly right. So, I mean, we didn't spend twenty four hours a day with one another, but we got along outstandingly well. You know, I mean, the majority of my test matches were with Steve War, and um, I, you know, I'd say that that team environment was as as solid as any that I that I came across. To be honest, I mean. You don't have to be like one another. You respect the fact that everybody in the team had the same goals. Mm. We all wanted to win and none of us were... So I certainly don't remember anybody being precious because we wouldn't have allowed that. Um, So I don't think that it was... I don't think it was... It's interesting you bring up Steve Waugh because he said... I guess how it wasn't a welcoming environment when he came into the team in the mid eighties. Yeah, sure. And I think it started to shift, and he really wanted to make players feel welcome. Well, yeah. I mean, look, I, I don't know how old you think I am, Andrew, but uh, it was no. So because I came in towards the end of the nineties, so maybe things just had changed. I, I I don't remember having any trouble at all, to be honest. And Steve, in particular, every single tour, um, he would spend you know a couple of nights one-on-one with each player just to get to know them a bit better and, and just to make sure that, you know, the environment was a lot warmer. It was it was good. And then then you would be left to your own devices. I mean, there's no hand-holding, but it's a test match. If you've got the ball in your hand, you're absolutely by yourself until mm. you let go of it, uh, and then you need the fieldsman. But, in, you know, it's, you're by yourself. You know, nobody's going to help you put it in the right spot. Uh, and if you bat, you make a mistake, you're out. So... It's not really the sort of place where you can be mollycoddled because uh, it's particularly exposing. So, um, but he just makes sure that everybody in the team was on the same side, and and we were. Yeah, and I guess you played under Mark Taylor, Steve Waugh, Ricky Ponting. What yeah. what did you learn from those skippers? Well, you know, I, I guess I I did learn that you know there's different stages to everybody's career because probably. Mark Taylor was the perfect captain for the beginning of my career because I didn't really know what I was doing. And so he did lead me in the right direction, told me what he wanted me to bowl, told me how often he wanted me to bowl it. And then by the time Steve Waugh came on, um, you know, I didn't really need that anymore. I just needed to know that everybody was sort of in my corner. And and that's pretty much what we did. I mean, recognising the fact that all the bowlers were slightly different personality types, but we all, you know, we're all still friends. The bowlers probably a pretty tight group of people. As you, you probably saw, there's a great photo on Instagram and 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 um, and Twitter this after this series after Australia had won the Ashes of all of the bowlers. I mean, it's the greatest bowling group probably in living memory. Um, you can talk about you know Lillian Thompson, who you know great the the West Indian four, but we we had we had three four great quick bowlers and and Nathan Lyon that, in one team at one time. It's an amazing amazing lineup. Probably the only only team that that would get close would be you know a McGrath Gillespie Warren and 
maybe Fleming or chuck one of the you know Brett Lees in there. That that that's that's a pretty good lineup as well. But those teams didn't get beaten either. No, and a second spinner perhaps. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> well, let's talk about Shane Warne because let's get that out of the way. You, you so often. It seems like your careers are talked about together because you played at the same time and you had phenomenal success together. You played 16 tests. I think you only lost two of the 16. So when you played together, you, you were really great bowlers. I guess how, how long did it take you to realise that you were often going to get mentioned together you know, and linked in that way? Oh, well, it was, it, you know, it was happening before, before I played. Because you know, if once Warney started, once Warney established himself, which which you know, as we know, didn't take long, you know, maybe a series. Uh, if you bowled leg spin anywhere in Australia, then then you were compared to him. So that never really bothered me. And as I said to you, I never really compared myself to another bowler because you can't win. Um, if if you um, you know, I, there's no way I, I I couldn't be as good as Shane Warne. But but I just did what I did, and I could do that as as well as anybody going around. Um, so that's what I just tried to do. It didn't it doesn't doesn't really bother me. I mean, I think it's a little hard on people that have played, you know, subsequent to to his retirement because, you know, I, I had the opportunity of being compared in the same environment on the same day on the same playing field, um, whereas every single player who's played since that doesn't get that opportunity. I'm. As I said before, I enjoyed playing with you know with him and McGrath and Gillespie and Lee and you know we we you can't complain when you've got guys like him down the other end and um, you know I I think um, the the shame for me is that you know as you mentioned we only lost two tests I'm pretty sure they were both in the West Indies and it was because Shane was injured um, or just coming back from injury I think it was um, I think he'd just come back from a shoulder injury so you know he was just a bit rusty um, and we had Brian Lara as the greatest player of spin bowling full stop and the stats sort of show that so I I I don't I don't mind being compared favorably to him or in or even unfavorably you know all I have always done is is I went out there tried to get as close to five wickets as I could per test match and I did so that that'll do me I'm happy yeah sure did <laughs> did you want to play more together was that something that frustrated you? Oh, look, I did. I think it's been widely documented. Shane didn't. Um, I don't know why. It doesn't really bother me. Um, I, the reason for me wanting to was because I reckon you pick the best five bowlers and then you win most of the games. Um, you know, there were several times during you know, my career where you know, a seamer was preferred and we lost the test match. Uh, as you said at the top of this, you know, we didn't lose test matches together. So two out of 16 is a pretty good record and quite often you know we would take two-thirds of the wickets or three-quarters of the wickets between us so we were a pretty potent bowling lineup um, when both of us were playing and I just I thought it was narrow-minded of uh, you know the selection panel to to overlook that particularly when you know test wins were on the line you know the the last test in 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 the 2005 Ashes series if we took 20 wickets, we won the test match and retained the Ashes. Yeah. That's a, that's a pretty big gamble, I reckon. Yeah, big gamble. So let's leave all that behind. I just have so many fond memories of you playing at the SCG. I think you played, maybe you took five, five-wicket hauls at the SCG. Yep. 
is it still a magical place for you when you're here? Well, I mean, we're here recording now, but when you sort of go out and, and see the ground, does it, is it still hold something special in your heart? Yeah, look, I, you know, I, I come here um, two, three times a week for, you know, um, various things. I'm on, on, I'm on the, the trust at the SCG, um, which is great. Um, so I'm involved, I guess, in an administrative um, capacity in that, in that regard. And I coach here various players from various teams um so i am here a lot it, it kind of feels very comfortable for me um as i you know played most of my career here but it's 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 a good environment um when i walk out on the field i you know played a, a game for the scg 11 a couple of weeks ago walking out onto the field it still you know feels pretty familiar have a bit of a look around the new stands great the pitch is very, very good. Um, we're just lucky to have got a, a couple of great new um, curators and ground managers on board here now, so they're they're, they're doing a great job. Uh, and I and I just sort of think that this place is being treated with the respect it deserves. Um, the changing rooms are still the same, yeah, <laughs> uh, which is which is fun. But um, I love in the away dressing room how they have those two little rooms from uh, throwback to when yeah. the amateurs and professionals used to come from England. Yeah, it's surprising that uh, they still, still still got that there, but I guess it makes it's a good talking point for um, for touring groups that come. Because they work out who, That's the, right. who's going to be in yeah. which room. Who are the posh kids and uh, who are the bogans. But um, we, we enjoy um, coming back here. All, all former players enjoy coming back here. We don't really spend much time in the changing rooms. It's kind of a thing that you don't really do all that much because – you know how tiring test cricket is and you don't try to like stay out of the way of, of players when they're playing. But, um, you know, I still get along great with, you know, because particularly the young bowlers in the team are all from New South Wales, so I know them all pretty well. So you see them. I'm down with the, um, you know, the New South Wales team quite often. So it's, it's quite good to stay in touch with everyone. Do you it, still love cricket? I, I, I'm, enjoying, I'm enjoying working with bowlers and, and actually talking with the batsmen about the bowlers too I think probably the talking side of things is, has been forgotten a little bit lots of senior players that's what they used to do they used to sit around and talk about things that they'd been through and difficult situations cricket it's not an easy game particularly you know four day cricket five day cricket when you've been at it for three days and you can't see a win it still doesn't mean you're, you're not going to win and, mm. and those sorts of situations are when experiences come through and, and I'm enjoying talking with you know, young bowlers and, 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 as I said, batsmen about that and just maintaining a focus and, um, you know, setting up routines for particular, you know, times during the game. It, it's, it's good and it seems to, be, um, seems to be making me happy too. And that's your cool. way of engaging with the game still? That's yeah. Level. Yeah, look, I, I, don't, I don't really want to coach a team, but I, but I like um, working with bowlers so, and, and um, maybe captains. So it's it's a, just a good. Well, I guess you know the the stupid uh, you know business word would be mentoring, but uh, I don't really you know I don't think that's <laughs> that's the the right thing to say. And how many bowlers even know what that means? Well, possibly <laughs> fast bowlers, fewer anyway. batsmen. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then I'll be back with Stuart McGill. We're going to do a deep dive into leg spin, and we're going to ask him about the current Australian setup. <laughs> He may hit a six, McGill. He has. Just so the man in the scoreboard can put the six next to McGill's name, he's hit it straight towards him. 
You're listening to Cricket Unfiltered. I'm your host, Andrew Mentel, and I'm here with Stuart McGill. And that was Stuart McGill hitting a six in the West Indies. David Hooks was commentating. I remember very fondly, not those sixes in the West Indies, but your 43, the MCG in 98, 99. I think you shepherded Steve Waugh to 100. How did you enjoy batting at test level? Because he said he used to go and just have a whack. Yeah. Look, the thing is that, that I, I really couldn't bat. So, And people say, well, why didn't you practice more and why didn't you, you spend more time at it? Well, the, the, the pure and simple reason is because I only got to where I was because I bowled so much. And, you know, every minute I'd spend in the nets with a bat in my hand was a minute less with the ball in my hand. And um, you probably would never have seen me bat if I hadn't hadn't done it that way because I wouldn't have played Test cricket. Mm. I probably wouldn't have played for New South Wales. So um, I obviously would prefer to have been a better batsman because it's, it's, it's good fun. I think as a bowler, it's great fun hitting bowling um, because you know how how, how pissed off the, bat, the bowler's going to get. But, you know, I... Um, I think sometimes for me, I, I just couldn't, I literally couldn't see the ball sometimes. So I don't know whether my eyes were dodgy, but you know. I can't believe you said you that because that's, that's how I knew I couldn't bat was when I faced Brett Lee in the nets and just no. didn't say it. No, was no, like, no. Well, okay, you know, Ambrose, you know, there's just no way that you could, I just couldn't see. I don't did you feel, did you feel, uns- <laughs> did you feel scared? I was unsafe. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, well, because I didn't know where the ball was at all. Yeah. I had no idea where it was. I mean, the good thing about facing somebody like Ambrose and, and is because is you knew that he knew where it was. <laughs> so somewhere, you know, I mean, he the ball was exactly where he wanted it to be. So that, that, that was reassuring. Sort of a length into the roots. Yeah, well, well, it was reassuring, but I, I, I don't, you know, I didn't really see it. I think maybe sometimes subconsciously I picked it up as it had hit the edge of the bat, but it wasn't. You know, I wasn't roughly, you know, I didn't have any idea what I was doing. So, yes. look, it was it was cool. It didn't, I mean, I think I only hit two sixes in, in test cricket. So, you know, you can see how rare it was. Well, yeah, that's why mm-hmm. I put them in yeah, the thanks. podcast. Thank you very much. Well, no, well, I thought they were great, great yeah, moments. Yeah, it's a great moment. Yeah. And, and that 40, but that 43 was a great afternoon at the MCG. Yeah, it was good fun for me. Um, yeah, I, I, I um, as you said, Steve Waugh made 100. That was pretty cool. Um, and then um, I... I watched it. It's a terrible, terrible innings. I think I only hit two balls in the middle of the bat out of the entire 43. But, you know, nonetheless, um, you know, it's it's on the boards now. So <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And Steve Wall got another test yeah. ton. All right, now let's do a deep dive into leg spin. And I want to set this up. When I was coaching cricket a while ago, Peter Philpot came in and, and he, he got around 20 young kids in a room and, and he, he just got on his knees and he got a ball in his hand and he was flicking the ball out of his hands and just showing the different ways you could spin a ball, leg yep. spin, wrong, and all the top spinner. And he went through them all, and the ball was darting off, and the kids' eyes just lit up. You know, they were like seeing a magician, like yep. seeing something. They just couldn't believe what they were seeing. You know, so what is it that makes leg spinning so magical? Um, I can't tell you about the magic. I, what, I, what I think is I think that wrist spin bowling, the possibilities are just – you know, far greater than, than, than finger spinning. Finger spin bowling for me is something that batsmen do um, when they get bored in the nets. Mm. Um, Mark Well, pretty much. I mean, you know, I, I think he probably enjoyed bowling bounces more than he enjoyed bowling finger spin, but he could do it. He could do it easy. Um, do everything. And I think, um, I think wrist spin bowling, you can, you know, because you can bowl balls that turn both ways, 
and a and a top spinner. It's 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 like playing tennis, really. You can make the ball go in any direction you like, really. Um, and it's the top spin. You can get a so much more top spin on the ball than you can bowling finger spin. I um well, except for Nathan Lyon, who who's just ridiculous. He 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 can make the ball talk like a like a wrist spin bowler can. But I um I think that's pretty much it. And and sometimes when you really get plenty on it, you can hear the ball going down the pitch too. And yeah, you can you can literally hear the ball as it's coming towards you. And and that doesn't happen very often with finger spinners. And I think that that can be mesmerising for a batsman too. And you know I've seen Peter Philpot do his thing, and uh, I can't do that. <laughs> But um, uh, that's that's okay. Everybody does their own sort of different things. But I think kids like to see, well, and spectators alike, you know, like to see extreme pace. They like to see swing bowling. If you can make the ball swing both ways, they like to see spin. Yeah. And then sixes, of course. But, you know, everything else in between is just a waste of time as far as I'm concerned. Medium pace bowling or, you know, just people that nip the ball around, I just find it boring. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to upset all the medium paces. Let's thing, upset but... them. They're all rubbish. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think one thing about leg spinning that is sometimes, if you haven't ever seen it up close, is how hard it is, how how difficult it is to land the ball and get it, just get it all in the right place. Look, um, I think that the, the reason that it's difficult is that there are so many different things going on. So there's a great, a huge amount of rotation of your body. So everything's going in one straight line, but then you deliberately rotate, rotate your wrist, rotate your body, taking it away from that that goal, which is the batsman. And that means that there's a fair chance you're going to bowl a full toss or a half tracker. And the only person that that, that didn't was Shane. Um, everybody else, they battling their you know their own bodies for you know large large parts of the game. You know, biomechanically, Shane just had a a, a, a gift. But by the same token, I think that that rotation was probably what made me, you know, a little bit better than I, I could have been otherwise. If I'd, if I'd cut that out, then, yeah, yeah, I might not have bowled a short one outside off stump, but it wouldn't have turned. So what's the point? In order for me to get the most revs on the ball, I had to rotate a lot. And, um, you know, I, 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 I thought about it a couple of times, but then I just, you know, no, I'm just going to keep going for that best ball, best ball, best ball. So you ball. went for the big turner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not just turn, but maximum revolutions on the ball, and and that because that was how I was going to get wickets. You know, it might not happen if I I bowled one of them, but if I bowled two or three or four in a row, then invariably there'd be a wicket at some stage. Are there any days that stand out when it all just clicked? When you just felt like every ball was going where you wanted? It just it was just one of you know you're in the zone as a leg spinner. I bowled, um, it's probably three or four. I bowled great um, against the West Indies in Hobart one year and kind of wish, I came on and there was, they, were, they were already five or six down and I, got, I ended up getting four. But I, I you know, kind of, if I if opened the bowling that day, I, I could have ten. Well, no, but I could have got a good. You felt like you could have got I could have got a good whack of them because yeah. it was, um, and I, I really did enjoy that. That was, that was pretty good. There was, um, a great game in the West Indies, which which wasn't as quick as that, you know. Like I think we bowled a lot. We might have even made the West Indies follow on. We're playing in Barbados. Steve Waugh was the captain. We won the Test. I think I got nine for the Test match, but it was a good Test match for me. The ball pretty much went where I wanted it to go throughout. The pitch was really flat, so it didn't, you know. Whereas the one in Hobart was sort of exploding when the ball hit the. It was fast and hard, which is you know my favourite kind of wicket. 
but you felt in the groove. Yeah, it just felt really good. Um, Not surprised in the West Indies. Yeah, yeah, it was good. You, you know, you, you had to, you know, you had to really work for your wickets there, actually, because it was the pitches are pretty slow. But if you get it right, then you know, the West Indians. Traditionally, didn't like spin bowling too much. Um, not leggies. No, you know that was pretty good. That probably you know two that really sort of grabbed me, to be honest. Yeah, good. And what about the young leg spinners that you work with now? So you you spent a lot of time with Mason Crane. Yep. From the English side, made his test debut at the SCG in the fifth Ashes Test. I thought it was just a breath of fresh air to see a young leg spinner come into the game. He stopped a lot before he delivered to make sure he was comfortable with his delivery. Is that something you talk to him about? Yeah, it is. Um, look, uh, you know, we just watched the Australian Open on the, on, on, you know, in tennis on the, on the TV and uh, in, at a grand slam level, if a server throws the ball up in the air and he doesn't think it's right, he just lets it hit the ground, catches it and goes again. Absolutely no difference whatsoever. Bowling is a set play, same as a serve. Batsman doesn't get a go at it until I let him. And if you're running into bowl and you think no, something's not quite right, you're, you're actually you're a clown if you don't stop. Mm. And, um, you know, I think it goes to show that um, he's a lot more mature than um, you know, 20-year-olds normally are because he was able to do that and, and get on with it, which is really, really good. I think he bowled really well. It's just a shame. I thought the English seamers let him down, let, let themselves down too, more importantly, throughout the series, if I'm honest. I, I just think they lacked penetration and... You know, unfortunately for England, they probably just needed one of those senior bowlers to really stand up and and let it go. For a 20-year-old kid to be bowling a quarter of the overs for his team um, in his first test match is a pretty big, big deal. I thought he did a good job. It's, you know, it was great that Mason did make his debut because I know how hard he's worked. And, um, uh, you know, I I, I was given the opportunity to work with him courtesy of um, the ECB. They've got a, a, a program whereby they send players that are underneath Lions level. So you've got the English team, then you've got the Lions, and then underneath that, so they're normally um, guys that are playing county first and seconds. Some They're not necessarily established and first. And are these spin bowlers or all types? Um, mate, well, th- they send players, batsmen, bowlers, keepers, everybody out, but I've got spin bowlers. We started doing a little bit of work with the, the wicket keeper. There's a wicket keeper out here this year too called Ollie Pope. He's started to come to training now with us on once a week. Um, it's great for my guys to bowl to a keeper as well. And he's a great batsman too, so he's from Surrey. But what uh, happened last year was um, uh, Matthew Critchley and Mason Crane came out and, and, and they were playing and they, they were both sort of in and out of the team um, for their county sides. Mason's at Hampshire, Critchley's at Derby. And they come out and they, they play club cricket here and then we train two or three times a week. So the good thing about that is when most of our sessions are done after a coffee, it's, I think it's important to get to know the guys that you're, you're working with, get a, a working relationship. It means I can be harder on them um, because they know they, they trust me. They know I'm not sort of just being nasty or just a, you just know. hassling a, them because they're yeah, bombs anyway. Yeah, and I, well, that's right. Or an ugly, you know, like uh, being an ugly school teacher or something <laughs> like that. But it's really good. You, you, know, you establish a good working relationship with them. And I think um, it, it pays off in the long run. This year with this sort of, there's four or five of them out here. Two of them have been played to, you know, picked to play in the uh, North East South game, the beginning of this English summer, which is a big, a big game for them. And Matt Parkinson's been picked in the A um, in the Lions tour, which is great. Mason's over in um, in the West Indies, um, I think now maybe playing um, red ball cricket for the Lions. Then he's coming back to play, well, to be a part of the England side in in New Zealand. I'm going to be starting to work. I'm starting to work with Ish Sodi from New Zealand now too, yep. which is great. 
and the New South Wales spin bowlers, Dan Fallon's, is doing a great job. And um, so I'm, I'm hoping What to... about Lloyd Pope? I saw Lloyd Pope's uh, performance over in... Um... He had a wrong one that sort of almost matches yours. Oh, I think it was probably better than mine. But, you know, I, I think the, the thing that's very, very important that we've got to remember with young spin bowlers is how difficult it is. And to get eight for in a, in a, in a match like that, in an environment like that against England. That, that was a pretty high-profile match, even for junior cricketers. So that that's is a spectacular performance. And I just think we need to make sure that we treat him with kid gloves because it's not an easy thing to do. And he's uh, I think he's going to get smashed from time to time, and, and, and we need to know that that's okay. It's not about the bad balls. It's about the good ones. And he's certainly got them. Yeah, it's interesting at that under-19 level, the differences in experience of the young players that that English team just wouldn't have faced a lot of leg spinners, whereas the game after he plays Afghanistan, who have faced a lot of spin, so played him a lot differently, a big difference. And also when you're on top, it's you know it doesn't really matter how much you've faced a spin bowler. If you come out to bat and you know your team's three for three for twenty, you're going to play them differently than if they're you know three for three hundred. So um, I think um, as long as we know that it's a learning experience for him, and um, you know he should he should be treated well. We know now that he can win matches for his team, and that should be the bit that we focus on. Hopefully, SCG Ashes Test 2022, Crane v Pope. <laughs> well, I don't really mind. Um, I don't really mind who's playing. I'd, I'd assume that 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 Mace will be in there because he's, um, you know, he's, he's away now. Once you once you've got that first Test match out of the way, provided he keeps um, improving the way that I think he can, he's um, he's determined with the bat and he's, you know, very very, you know, attentive in the field. I think he's got everything that he needs to play Test cricket. He's got so a great personality. He's he got did a really a press good personality. After one of the days of the Test, he was funny. He was self deprecating. But he also had the strong will to say, if I'm not ready to bowl, I'm not going to let it go. Yeah. So you put all that together, it's a pretty good package. At 20, you yeah. know, which is just an, you know, insane, really. And what do you think about the state of leg spin in Australia? Look, I, I think we're probably not concentrating enough on... Oh, look, I think if you're a good first-class bowler, then T20 is easy because your best ball, the hardest thing to to do when you're playing in a, in a test match or in a shield game is to get the batsman to play a shot. We just completely removed that from the equation in mm. T20s and 50 over games. Um, and I certainly enjoyed playing both for that very reason. Um, the problem is when the bowlers get confused about their role and think that they've got to bowl wrong and angling into leg stump. Well, that's actually going to hurt you in the long run. You're, you're, you're going to, you might only go for seven and over, but I'd much rather you get three for 30. If you get three for 30, your team's going to win. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why I think somebody like Ish Sodi has been doing so well around the world. You know, I mean, I think most of us remember him playing against the Thunder last year. Or, um, six for Six nine. for 11, yeah, six, six for nine. nine. Yeah, it's amazing. amazing. You know, so, uh, and, and that just, it just ruins a game. And, and I want match winners in my team. team. The, best, the best teams I ever played in, 11 blokes could win the Test match or the, or the one day or the T20 for you. And that's when you know you've got a really good team because you need to be able to rely on every single player in the team to win you the game. And a guy who's just going to you know, take care of economy rates not winning anything. No, and I guess the funny thing is when T20 cricket started, everyone thought it would be the death of spin bowling. And in fact, 
Spin bowlers, spin, the, yeah. Spin integral. bowlers don't. Spin bowlers dominate. But I, 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 I have to say now, I'm starting to worry a little bit about you know you got a guy like uh, Yasir Shah from Pakistan who, you know, I think is fastest to 100 wickets, and now I think he's really, really struggling because his bowling now, as I said, he's angling into a right-handed batsman, three or four balls and over a wrongens. He's bowling flat and fast. And I, you know, I don't care what the commentators say. That's not actually the way to go about it. The principles of taking wickets remain the same, no matter what format of the game you're playing in. And if you're just trying to shut down a batsman, then you're on a very, very slippery slope. What do you think of Rashid Khan? Uh, same thing. Um, I, 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 I think he, his best balls, though, are what he should be concentrating on because he is wicket taker. He is match winner. His best balls are quite often a little bit slower. Yeah. <laughs> and in a 2020 game or a 50 over game, I can't see any reason why he wouldn't bowl more of those. Yeah, uh, more wickets. Yeah. Well, I, I genuinely think more because you're still able to deceive. You can deceive the batsman with change of pace just in a lower pace width, a lower, lower you know, pace bracket. Mm. It doesn't have to be 88 to 92. You know, it can be 78 to 82. You know, I think that's the mistake that all of them are making now. But, you know, you've got to congratulate, a, a, you know, once again, a, a kid who's been around a lot and played a lot of, a lot of cricket now and, and he's still taking wickets. So that's pretty good. Do you like watching leg spinners? Depends. Um, you- I like watching them with the sound down. <laughs> the commentators drive me nuts, but I don't think I'm alone there. I should get you in for the commentary critique segment. Yeah. That's one of the most popular segments on the podcast. I can imagine. Now, um, so we touched on your retirement before. You ca- when you came off the field in 2008 after the drawn second test at the North Sound Ground in the West Indies, did you know that would be your last first-class game? I, no, I didn't. I was planning to come home and play um, uh, for New South Wales. I, I thought that... I thought that the problems that I having I was having were, were largely due to travel um, burden going to the West Indies. I I'd had surgery a lot the season before. Um, a part of your body, <laughs> everywhere. Ankle, knee, wrist, jabs in my shoulder, jabs in my elbow. But That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. But I, I just assumed that once I came home, rest, back in the gym, I'd be okay. But it just didn't just didn't happen which was a which was a bummer and, and it actually you know still sort of drives me nuts to be honest I, I um because I wasn't ready to finish I, I wasn't ready to finish so but I just can't I couldn't do it anymore and, and obviously now I'm too old but I, I, I it really did annoy me and I wish that I had been able to keep playing uh, even if it was just for New South Wales New South Wales is where I'd done the majority of my bowling and and I and I had a great time for New South Wales a good bunch of guys and I loved playing here. Yeah, it was just just a shame. And, you know, my last game for New South Wales, we won the Shield. So everything was sort of going pretty well there. But, you know, that was just the way it went. Yeah, but I guess what you say is that you didn't ever have that sort of moment where you could walk off knowing that it was the end. It was just didn't come back. Couldn't come back. Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't do it again, um, which, which, as I said, is still incredibly frustrating it's not you know it's just a bummer uh, I, you know I didn't um, I didn't want to finish you know it was the only thing I was ever good at well so you, you finished cricket then you had a you've had a successful tv show you've done radio what is it what is it after cricket that sort of keeps you going well I, I mean I think that you know I've done a 
a range of things and, and probably that's a, a, a reasonable indication that I'm still sort of looking for what I like to do. I, I don't really know what to do. It's hard to, you, cricket takes up a lot of time and it, it's just hard to find something that really grabs you. You know, I, I know certainly at the moment, I don't think anybody's ever got rich out of coaching. Not, But I don't really, I mean, I, I probably should chase cash, but I, I don't. I, I, I don't really, don't really think about it too much like that. But I don't really know what I like doing. I, I mean, I, I, as I said to you before, I enjoy coaching because I enjoy helping blokes out. I think that to a large degree, cricket is being measured in terms of performances and paychecks and when you're coaching guys who are on the cusp of playing first-class cricket, so, you know, let's say 17 to 22, three years old, they might never make it in terms of test matches, but you can still get some pretty good rewards out of working with them. You know, they, they, um, yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying that part of it. I don't know in five years time, I don't really know what, what I'll be doing, but, um, you know, I, I, I still enjoy operating on the periphery of the wine industry. That That's yep. pretty cool. In, Is that just drinking or? No, no, <laughs> I'm involved with a couple of bars doing the wine for them and um, that's good. An award-winning show. I think it was called Uncorked. Uncorked, yeah, and yeah. Has it been? It's re- a long time ago. There seems to be a new one out. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I don't really worry about that yeah. sort of stuff. I mean, you know, as I said, I never compared myself to anybody when yeah. I was playing cricket. I don't really care about any other wine yeah. shows. But Just you- do the best I could when I could when I had a hold of it, and um, you know. Yeah, we did two series of that, two seasons of that. That was pretty cool fun. I think it was a bit expensive to make. <laughs> It wasn't my paycheck, but it was it was expensive to make. Things are a lot cheaper nowadays with digital cameras and yeah. stuff like that. But I um, I enjoyed that, although it was pretty full on. Um, Would you like to try radio again? Yeah, I, I like radio. Um, I think I like radio because um, you know I, I like talking, <laughs> as you may have perfect guessed. for podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's hard to finish a sentence sometimes, but apart from that, I like it. <laughs> Good. All right, we're going to take our last break, and then we'll be back with love it or loathe it. Good delivery. He's pushed it through a bit and a bit shorter. And Lara has gone for it for the full shot that he plays so well and has played against leg spinners on many occasions in recent years. McGill is through him. Beautifully bowled. A quicker, flatter delivery. And it has hit middle and leg. It's spun from just outside off stump. It has hit middle and leg about six inches from the top. That is splendid bowling. Lara gone for 17. Welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp cricket podcast. Menners and Stuart McGill here. And that was, you'll be happier with this sound than the <laughs> six. This was, that was Stuart McGill dismissing Brian Lara at the Wacker in, in the year 2000. Richie Benno was commentating. Uh, you know, Richie Benno often said he talked to Shane Warne. Did he talk to you a lot? Did he help you? Yeah. Um, oh, look, I, 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 I think that, Rather than helping or anything else, Richie was a, a really ni- a good friend, a nice man. He's a really nice man. Mm. I think when you you know you hear a young spin bowler on the TV, Richie would never say a bad word about them. Was always excited for them, and would always be talking about the sorts of things that they do well. And and I think that that warmth and that enthusiasm was probably what made him a great captain too. He always used to try and you know encourage everybody who was with. He was tough, I'm sure. 
Um, I never obviously played under him, but but he was he was always pretty good. And and I think the reason I liked Richie the most was because he always had a little bit of a sparkle in his eye. You know, he's a fun guy, really really good guy. So you know, and I I I think um, you know Richie and you know Mrs. Benno, Daphne, um, they, they were a great couple. And um, you know, I, I I enjoyed his company and still enjoy hers. I guess. You know, you spoke before about Brian Lara being the best player of spin. Yep. Did you ever bowl to Sachin Tendulkar? Yeah, I bowled him a couple of times. I, I felt that Sachin wasn't able to tear you to pieces in, in the way that, that, well, even if he was able to, he didn't try to tear you to pieces the way that Brian did. Brian would just go out there and, and it wasn't just me. It was me, Warney, Kumblaze. Um, Mira Litherin, he, he had a real good red hot go at every spin bowler he came across. So you know that 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 was that was what made getting him out sort of you know even better I guess. And um, he 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 was pretty full on, and um, he could hit the same ball five or six different spots, which was made it even harder. Any other batsmen that you bowled to that you sort of remember as being just super talents? Uh, look, I, I think. Um, you know, Each state level, even yeah. Or? Well, look, Lehman and, and Gilchrist were pretty hard to bowl to. Lehman particularly would just try and tear you to pieces as well, which was which was good. And um, I, I I thought that Lakshman was pretty pretty special. Mm. Um, I, I liked getting his wicket. That was that was sort of felt really proud of yourself when you got him out. And Michael Vaughan taught himself how to play um, really really effectively. He was he was a very intelligent cricket player, Michael Vaughan, and and he worked out a way of going about things that reaped him you know great rewards towards the end of his career against wrist spin bowling too. So he was pretty cool. Well, that's a pretty good list of batsmen. <laughs> I just I remember watching Lara play spin at the SCG, and his his footwork and he did everything with such grace. You know, you talk about Tendulkar. Tendulkar eased the ball to the boundary, but Lara would just smash and beautiful swing of the blade it was you you wouldn't coach someone like that no you couldn't coach someone like that and and I think that's probably one of the reasons why I liked him as well because uh, you know he saw the ball he hit it much the same you know Steve Smith and from all reports Bradman they just used to stand there hit the ball in their own fashion which you know which was pretty cool and and I and I think that that's something that that people need to remember when they're coaching nowadays You, you textbooks one thing but the basic principles are what's more important, and that's, you know, see the ball, hit the ball. Uh, did you ever go out with Brian Lara? Oh, yeah. No, I've been, I, and I still have. I've been out with him plenty of times. Um, good fun. Well, yeah, he, 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 um, he's got some good stamina. <laughs> <laughs> good stamina. He showed that with his 400 and his nightlife. All right. Now, we're going to finish this podcast with a love it or loathe it. L- love it or loathe it. You're gonna They're my only two options. They're your only two options. Right. Okay. Start day night tests. Love it. The IPL. Love it. So doing so well. The ICC World Eleven test that you played in. Love it. So good so far. Wavell Hines. Loved him. Yeah. So you dismissed him more than anyone in Test cricket six six times. <laughs> of course, I loved him. <laughs> and um, last one is Steve Smith. Love him. I guess I'm a lover. You are a lover, not yeah, a fighter. There we go. Um, there is a story that Steve Smith, in his first season as Sydney Sixers captain, told you to f off down to find leg. Can you confirm that story? Yeah, it's not exactly true. It's in fact, it's not true at all. He didn't say he didn't say that at all. Um, Good, you've set the record. Today. Yeah, no, absolutely did not. Um, but he, I did ask him if I could field somewhere else um, because I was running. It was only short fine leg, but at, at this stage. 
I was injured mm. um, and carrying an injury. So running from fine leg to fine leg was starting to cause me problems. And he, he, he absolutely did not say that. But he said that that's where I had to field. But that's okay. Um, I think I took a catch off Brett Lee the next ball. So it worked out okay for everybody. And did you see signs then that Steve Smith would go on to greatness? Oh, look, uh, you could see signs of his batting. I think his first – when he got picked for the Ashes tour, I, I, I just couldn't – I could not believe it. I think it was uh, maybe 2009 or 11. Oh, nine, yeah. Uh, nine, I think. He got picked for that Ashes tour, and I, I couldn't believe it. He wasn't bowling much, and he'd barely played a game. I was stunned. But he – and I told him this when he came back. He was the best batsman in the Australian team. I think he made 50 every single time he batted, certainly every match he played in. And I think it was something like maybe played 11 tests in a row, made 50 in every single one of them. So uh, over, that, over the course of that 12 months. So I, I think that, that, you know, and I, I mentioned that to him when I saw him immediately following that series. I just said, you know, I, I was surprised you'd been picked, but congratulations because, you, you know, if it wasn't for him, I mean, Australia got, you know, taken to pieces, but he did a great job. I think with the fielding, um, you see him in the field and he practices a lot, I mean, that's how I knew he was tied this series because he dropped a couple of catches. You never see him drop a catch, ever. Not at training, never. So that's how you know that he's probably just really under a lot of pressure and, um, you know, he responded great with the bat and that's all we need him to do, really. But, uh, yeah, no, he's, he's a great player and, um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm sure that if we look after him, he'll be around for a while. I hope so. Uh, all right, well, Stuart... Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been absolute thrill to have you on. Have you enjoyed it? Oh, look, it's been probably one of the greatest days of my life, Andrew, to be honest. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Um, thank you so much. Take care. Uh, I hope to see you around. I didn't want to say this at the beginning, but I really loved it when you played. You really used to light up the, the, the SCG especially. I have so many fond memories, and I really enjoyed coming to the box when you were celebrating that 12-er. It was a fun day, so thanks again. I was a lot younger then, and hopefully we can catch up soon. Thank you very much, Andrew. And guess what? I do remember that. You do? I do.